Uh, as we gather this morning, um, we're going we're gonna to study a psalm that may well be familiar to us. It may, sound, it may seem a strange psalm to choose now because it, we're going to look at the very final psalm, Psalm 150, which, which forms this wonderful conclusion to the whole of the Psalter. Uh, all 150 psalms kind of culminate as we come to the end. Now, we're going to look at it a little bit standalone because it is a song in its own right to celebrate, but and that's where we're going to be heading in a few minutes. But I wonder, as, you, as we've just been enjoying, as we gather week by week here regularly, I wonder what you think about singing in church. Now, I don't mean what do you think about the singing in this church, as if we're all somehow, you know, reality show TV uh, judges. But what I mean is, why do we sing when we gather as church? It's maybe not a question you've ever thought of before. Um, but do we just sing? Is it just something we do to pass the time until the sermon? Is it just something to do so we can stand up and change position and be comfortable? Is it just something that we do to, to put some of the musical talents of some of the congregation on display? Are, are, is that why we sing when we gather as God's people? Well, hopefully the answer to those questions would be no. Uh, they're not the reasons why we sing. See, we, we sing because it's one way for us to express our thanks, express our joy, express our wonder at God, at who he is and to him and for all that he's done. And it's one way for us to corporately do that together. So in the car on the way down the road this morning, I had a good old sing to myself. But there's something wonderful about joining with God's people and corporately bringing him the praise that he deserves. And as we'll see today, that's a very biblical thing to do. Throughout the whole Psalms, indeed throughout more of God's word, as we'll touch on later, it is good for God's people to gather and sing his praises. And as I said, the book of Psalms ends with a collection of songs that express that kind of praise. So Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, they really ramp up the praise. Now I'm not saying that the previous 145 haven't been praising God, Tim quoted from uh, Psalm 96 this morning, which again is another one of these great psalms of praise. But the final five psalms in the Psalter, it's, it's as if there's just this unbridled expression of praise. Praise to God. And that's what we're going to think about this morning, culminating in, in Psalm 150. And, and this psalm might be familiar to you because recently here in church, we've been singing a song called Praise the Lord, based on Psalm 150. And we're going to sing it as we close um, this morning. But it's a wonderful song, and it's based on some of the words or themes from Psalm 150. But this morning, I want to unpack God's word here and see what it teaches us about singing, what it teaches us about praising our God. And so would you turn with me, if you have your Bible there, to Psalm 150? Uh, if you don't have your Bible and, or, or a device with the Bible on it, please do take one of the chair Bibles uh, and flick through there to Psalm 150, the very last psalm in the Psalter. And let's sing, uh, read these words together. So just six verses, but amazing praise and explanation of praise. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his highest and mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the trumpet, the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
It's not hard to unpack the theme here. Sure it's not. Praise the Lord. 13 times in six verses. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise him. The theme of this psalm is praise. And within this psalm, as in so many other places throughout scripture, we get, we get an insight into who we're to praise and we're getting insight into why we should give him praise. And we also get an insight into how we're to give him that praise. That's not going, Andy. Would you mind flicking on for me, Joel, there, please? Just press the arrow. Lovely. Um, one more time would be great. So through this psalm, we see who we praise, we see why we praise, and we see how we praise. And of course, we see that through loads of the other psalms as well of all of Scripture, but I think they're very clear here. So the, who do we praise? Let's begin by thinking of that, this first question. Who do we praise? Well, this is a case where the obvious answer is the right one. Who do we praise? We praise God. Praise the Lord, the psalm starts. Praise the Lord, the psalm ends. Praise God, the psalm includes. Praise him, it says repeatedly. And just like Psalm 146, right through to Psalm 150, this psalm is bookended with praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in verse 1, praise the Lord in verse 6. If you flick back in your Bibles, you'll see Psalm 146, 47, 48, 49, all start and end the same. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's as if the first thing we're to think when we engage with this song is praise the Lord. And the last thing ringing out sound that we hear as we leave this psalm is praise the Lord. So who are we to praise? We are to praise the Lord. If you notice, if your Bible has a footnote, you'll see the Hebrew there is hallelujah. Yah being Yahweh, the name of God. Praise the Lord. And, and not only that, but in the rest of verse 1, I think we get a glimpse into who the Lord is. Psalm one, or verse 1 continues, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. See, the, the Lord who is to be praised is the one who owns the sanctuary. He owns heaven. They are his and the praise is to go to him. This God we are to be, God is showing us here a big vision of himself. And as we think about how it is God who we are to praise, we should notice two things here. We should notice that we praise a relational God and we praise a reigning God. What I mean here, if I can quickly work through these two is, we praise a God who's made himself known. I mentioned already, praise the Lord, hallelujah. That should automatically take our minds backwards to Exodus 3 when God reveals himself to Moses. And Moses says, who are you? If they ask me who sends, who should I say? And God himself says, I am who I am, Yahweh. And now we praise Yahweh, hallelujah. And so this is a God who has made himself known. This is a God who said, I will be your God and you will be my people. He has made himself known and we see it all over scripture. And of course, don't we see it primarily revealed to us in the person of Christ? God has made himself known in the physical incarnate body of Jesus Christ. God made flesh to dwell among us. So this is the God who we bring our praises to and he is relational. He can be known and has made himself known. He's not distant or aloof or some kind of inanimate statue. No, he is a personal God who has made himself known. And therefore, our praises to him are not just for his general goodness. Although, don't get me wrong, his general goodness is praiseworthy enough. But because he makes himself known and we can be in relationship with him, then our praise to him can be personal. As we've just been singing, thank you, God, for the works you've done in our lives. 
not just how we see yourself, how we see you revealed in scripture, how we know throughout all of church history, how you have acted among your people, but we can know God praise you for your work in my life. And so we can know him and therefore we praise him for who we know him to be. He's not distant. He's not someone we have to imagine what he's like. No, he has made himself known and we can give him praise for it. We praise a relational God. And the second thing we should notice here from verse one, praise him in his mighty heavens. We praise a reigning God. We, we praise the God who owns mighty heavens. He is the ultimate ruler and king over the whole universe. We see this repeatedly throughout the Psalms. Even if I flick back to Psalm 146, I'll bring these up on the screen for you just so that you don't have to flick too far. 146 verse 6. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful. Psalm 147 verses 4 and 5. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. And verse, Psalm 148, verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the heavens and the earth. This is the God who reigns over all. This is the God who deserves praise. He is the awesome creator. He's the sustainer of the universe. He's the one who knows the stars by name because his hands flung them into their place. This is the great God who we can worship. He is the God who not only knows our names as well as the names of the stars, but he knows the very hairs on our head. He is the one who rules and reigns and therefore we praise. What else can we do when we stand and we gaze at his awesome, mighty, powerful, splendorousness? What, what else can we do but praise? Bow down before him, recognizing our infinite smallness in comparison and say, God, you are worthy. Praise the Lord. And so, so we praise a relational God. We praise a reigning God. This is who we praise. And don't those two things, being relational and reigning, don't they only go together in our God? Don't they only go hand in hand in our God? When we think of, of people who we know, earthly people who we know, who wield power and dominion and authority, you have to be in a very select group to get close to that person. But not so with our God. No, he's the one who is ultimately king of kings and lord of lords. And yet he welcomes relationship. He invites relationship. He has sent his son to die so that we would have relationship. And so our God is relational and reigning. And this is the God that we praise. And of course, as we think about being in relationship with this God, we then must realize that our relationship must be right before him. Based on our own credentials, we, we don't have access to him. But as his children, we are welcomed. Only as his children are we welcomed. See, as the story of God unfolds throughout scripture, we see that he provided his son as the only atoning sacrifice for sin. That sin which excludes us from relationship with him. But no, he himself provided the once for all complete sacrifice in his son, Jesus Christ, as he died on the cross. And that sacrifice was acceptable to God, acceptable to this reigning king as the only just payment for sin. And so that means then that for all of us who turn from sin and turn to him, then we can receive his repentance. 
We can know his cleansing. We are welcomed as his children. This, this, the arms that flung stars into space then scoop us up in his fatherly embrace. But it is only and purely as a result of grace through faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. And so this is the God who we praise. He is relational and he is reigning and doesn't he deserve our praise? Let's move on then to think about even more reasons as to why we praise. And obviously this builds on what we've mentioned because when we see who he is, that is reason to praise. But in this psalm, we're given a couple more reasons to praise as we move through into verse 2. And so let's read verse 2 together. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. And so here we have two more reasons to praise this great God. Praise him for what he's done and praise him because he is great. His surpassing greatness. The ESV actually renders that phrase. His excellent greatness. Greatness isn't enough. That's not a big enough term to to try to capture his greatness. Though his excellent greatness. He is excellent at being great. This God who we praise. And so he is praiseworthy. And we praise him for who he is as we've seen. And we praise him for what he's done. These mighty acts of power that we see in verse 2. And and perhaps you can remember, but a month ago we looked at Psalm 77. Last summer we looked at Psalm 105. These great examples where the psalmists stop and take stock of all that God has done in the past. And they remember. I choose to remember your ways. And how does that end? That ends with their praise. So in Psalm 77 we saw Asaph was in the depths. But he chose to remember God's faithfulness and goodness and that fueled his praise. Even though his circumstances hadn't changed, his outcome certainly, his outlook certainly had. And so we see the psalmist intentionally looking back to see the mountains of examples of God's gracious and providing hand. And then that fuels them to praise. And it's a good practice for us to do as well in our own lives. To stop, to pause. Maybe especially in those seasons where we find it difficult to praise. As we saw in Psalm 77, even when things are hard, God is still worthy of praise. Now we may have to stop and think back a little bit longer than usual to think of those good things that God has done, his righteous acts, his mighty acts, who he is and who we know him to be, either in our own lives or in who we see him revealed as in Scripture. And we can give him praise despite the tears. We can give him praise even in the midst of doubt. We can give him praise regardless of what's going on. And I realize that is a sweeping statement that can cover a whole lot of pain. But we can give him praise because he is worthy and his works are incredible. And once again, as we, as we think about his works, not only can we look back over all of our lives, but we can see through scripture from creation, to rescuing his people from Egypt, to providing them the land that he promised, to being with them and speaking powerfully to them through the prophets, even as they ignored them, to bring them back from the exile that he had warned them of. And of course, we see his mighty acts in Jesus Christ. We've talked about him already, but how can we talk of God's mighty acts and not speak of Jesus? That his acts of power That which brought his son into the world, the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. If you want to think of God's mighty acts, start with Christ. He is surely the pinnacle of God's work in our life and in our world and in history. 
Jesus, God's son, who now waits to come again in all glory and majesty and bring his kingdom in all its fullness with all his people. This is why we praise. We praise because of who our God is and we praise because of what he's done. He is worthy. And so remember what God has done. That's who we praise and that's why we praise. Let's come to a conclusion by thinking about how we praise. And read through from verse 3 through to verse 6 together. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals as a drummer. That is good news. Praise him with cymbals. Let's make a loud noise, a joyful noise to the Lord as we'll see. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You see, what we can see clearly is that one of the ways in which we praise God is through music. We make a joyful noise to the Lord as we read in in Psalm uh, 98. Let me show show you these verses from the ESV. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. And I like that because it's a joyful noise, not a tuneful noise, not a perfect noise. No, just make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in the joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord, a joyful noise. In the church that I grew up in, our pastor in, in his pulpit, uh, I don't think he hid, but there was a tambourine. And every now and again, he got the tambourine out and you knew that that was joyful praise. There's a sense in which we, we praise with, with a, in, in this setting, I, I sense a, like a rapturous spontaneity. Did you see break forth into joyous song? I wonder if you've ever found that feeling like that. I'm, I'm not saying that it has to be expressed in a certain way, but just this welling up of praise as you've gazed on God and who he is and what he's done and you find yourself longing to praise. And we burst forth into praise. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that's what should take place here. In the context of Scripture, and we see passages like 1 Corinthians 14, where the gathered worship of God's people should be orderly. It shouldn't be chaotic. But that doesn't mean that it can't be joyful. It can't be this this breaking forth into the songs that we've prepared to sing and sing along tunefully with. I was was really challenged and struck by a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon this week as he reflected on Psalm 150 and as I gazed and it almost held up to a mirror when I, when, to my own heart when I thought about how joyfully I praise the Lord. Um, here's what Spurgeon said, reflecting on Psalm 150. There is enough in our holy faith to create and to justify the utmost degree of rapturous delight. But then here's the challenge. If men and women are dull in the worship of our Lord, our God, they are not acting consistently with the character of their religion. In other words, could it be said that, that if we are, are, are dry and rote in, in our expressions of praise, that we don't fully appreciate who we're praising and what he's done? Because to get a more clear and biblical understanding of who he is and what he's done leads to a joyful expression, not a, not a mediocre expression. No, God's lavish grace deserves a lavish response. And so when we see the who we praise and we see how we praise, we think of that how being wholehearted. 
And as we get a deeper and a better understanding of who we come before, then surely our response, and and please hear me, I'm not saying that has to be a visible, tangible response, but certainly the response of our heart should be joyful. And so so a small view of God, a, a limited view of God, will lead to a limited expression of praise. But our right view of God, the only one who's truly worthy of our praise. Let me read through some of the thoughts that I had this week as to why we should praise him. And forgive me if I get excited. We praise him because he is the one who has rescued us and redeemed us through the blood of Jesus Christ. We praise him because he is the one who created the world, the universe, and everything in it. We praise him because he's the one who holds that earth in the palm of his hand, we're told. We praise him because he has written each of our days before they come to pass. We praise him because he knows the beginning from the end. We praise him because he called us from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of glorious light. We praise him because he rules over the cosmos. We praise him because he knows us intimately. He has knit us together in our mother's womb. We praise him because he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We praise him because he lavishes grace on his children. We praise him because he has bestowed his spirit upon us so that we would know his power, so that we would live our lives for his glory and transformed into his likeness. We praise him because he alone is deserving of glory and honor and praise. And that praise will ring out for all eternity to come. This is the God we praise. And this is why we praise and so surely if that, if we know and believe and biblically we see that is who God is, surely our how we praise should reflect the majesty that we are in view of. And so our worship should be total, should be complete, should be rapturous. And I think this is why then the Apostle Paul is able to say to the Roman Christians in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see the order of that? In view of God's mercy, we offer everything. Offer your bodies, offer your whole lives, but it's in view of him because of who we see that he is and what he's done. And so our worship is a response to God. It is in view of his mercy and it takes our all. We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. That is our true and proper worship. And so we offer him everything in the praise of his name. Indeed, as we see right at the end of verse 6, or the end of this psalm, sorry, in verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. See the completeness of that? Everything that has breath praise the Lord. And so God is worthy of praise from every living thing because he created every living thing. But what I would love to do as we come towards a conclusion here is to flick back to Psalm 148 to see that it's not just from every living thing that God receives praise, but from his whole created order. Let me read Psalm 148 and we'll read the whole of it. Praise the Lord. See that beginning and the ending again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. So all the heavens will praise him. Then verse 3, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. 
you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for his people a horn, the, pra- the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart, praise the Lord. See, let them praise the name of the Lord. All creation will give him the praise he deserves. Do you remember in that very first Palm Sunday when Jesus is riding in on the donkey and the disciples and some of the rest of the group were giving rapturous praise, shouting, Hosanna, here he comes and the, 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 the son of David is coming. And some of the religious leaders rebuke Jesus and say, why don't you tell your disciples to be quiet? And Jesus says, if they are quiet, even the stones will ring out. The stones will cry out. All creation praises this God because he made it all. And so how do we praise? Well, we do praise musically. Let's get some tambourines out here. We praise musically. We praise him totally with our all, with our everything. Because we give him our all in response to all that he has given to us. And so as we come to a close, let's go back to our question right at the beginning of our service. What, what do you think about singing in church? Well, I hope that Psalm 150 has encouraged your heart, has shown you that what we do here as we gather is a deeply obedient and joyful thing to do. It's a command. Praise the Lord. It's an expression of our whole lives of thanks and wonder. And yes, through song is one way in which we do that. And yes, way beyond these walls, our praise should ring out. But as we gather, let's encourage one another through the singing of these great truths. And many of us know the, the, the gift of singing and the gift of corporate singing. We, we, we felt that tangibly through the pandemic, didn't we? It was one of the things that many of us miss most about gathering here physically. You know, we could do the teaching online. We could share communion in our homes. But there was nothing to replace the singing of God's people. The gathering of God's people to hear his word, to share around his table, to sing his praises. And so let's do that well and, and joyously as we do. And I do believe that, that singing and musical praise is a gift. And it's a gift that God gives because we, see, we can see from Colossians 3 that even as we sing together, God works in our hearts. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Yes, we will do that as we study God's word together, Absolutely. Yes, we will do that as we gather to pray. Yes, we will do that as we meet one-on-one and and talk about God's word. Yes, of course, we teach and admonish one another through many ways. But what does the Apostle Paul say here? With all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so one of the ways in which God graciously teaches and admonishes us is through one another. Remember Hebrews 10? Let us not neglect meeting one another. Let's spur one another on to love and good deeds. And one way in which we do that as we gather is by singing. Singing to God with gratitude on our hearts, which of course is then an expression of his truth as we sing psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And so we can teach and admonish one another through the truth of the songs that we sing. And how gracious is our God that he would give us that gift. 
that he has designed us to connect together and to build one another up even as we give him the praise that he is due and our eyes are focused on him, our hearts are focused on him, yet he graciously encourages us by our presence with one another. So who do we praise? When we praise our God, he's the only one who's worthy. Why do we praise? Well, we praise him because he's worthy, not just because of who he is, but because of everything he's done. And how do we praise? Well, we give him the songs of our heart and we give him our whole lives, everything we have in response to his great grace and mercy. And so as we close, can I read Psalm 150 again? And then we are going to sing that song, Praise the Lord. And let's, uh, let's encourage one another with these words, these words that we'll read from Scripture and then as we gather to sing. But let me read Psalm 150 again. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that is breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Our Father, we thank you that you are indeed worthy of praise. Lord, sometimes we feel so inadequate that we have so little to bring before you to, to adequately express our praise as we gaze at your magnitude. But we praise you, Father. We praise you because of who you are that you are indeed King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the creator of the whole universe, yet you are the, the intimate one who knows us deeply, who has knit us together. Father, we praise you. And we praise you, God, that you have made yourself known in the person of Jesus Christ. We praise you that you saw, you saw our sin and how our sin was keeping us from your holy and pure presence, yet you took the initiative to send your son to die in our place, taking the penalty of that sin upon himself so that as we turn in faith and trust and repentance to him, we can know your forgiveness. We can know your welcoming embrace. We can know life with you now and for all eternity. We can know your spirit at work in our hearts, transforming us into the likeness of your son as we day by day strive to say to kill sin in our lives and turn our gaze to you. Lord, we praise you. And even in dark times, we praise you. Even in doubt, we praise you. Even when we, when we can't find the words, God, thank you that you've given us songs and psalms that, that can provide the words that our hearts can sing to. And Lord, as we do gather to sing here and sing your praises, God, would, you, would that be way more than just music and song? Would it be way more than, than vocal cords and keys on a board? Father, would they be joyous, delightful, rapturous expressions of wonder and awe at our King? So come, we pray. Would you inhabit the praises of your people? Would you move as we bring these praises to you? And would you help us to go from this place into the rest of our week and the rest of our lives indeed to continually bring you a sacrifice of praise in everything that we do and in everywhere that we are. We praise your name, Jesus. Have your way and be glorified, we ask. Amen. Amen.